So you spent more than usual on something you really, really wanted, at least in the moment. Hopefully, that splurge brought you lasting joy. But maybe it led to feelings of regret and a depleted bank account. So when I was about 21 years old, I scraped together pretty much every dollar I had at the time, and I bought my first motorcycle. It was a brand new Suzuki sport bike. And looking back, you know, it was probably a pretty reckless thing to do, but you know what? It was awesome. So I went to the Toronto Premium Outlets and went into the St. Laurent store, and I saw this amazing little cigarette pouch purse super tiny, super impractical, and I convinced myself that I needed it. And then I got home and have not even taken it out of the box. So almost a thousand dollar purchase on probably the stupidest, tiniest little bag that I've ever seen. I purchased a $500 pair of boots off of Essence, and one of them was pink and the other one was green. I convinced myself that I would wear these often enough that it was a good purchase. It makes me happy and these are my colors. The second they arrived and I showed them (laughs) to a loved one, they were like, return them right now. What is wrong with you? I recently purchased a at-home ice cream maker. I think it's called like the Ninja Creamy at the height of a TikTok craze and I needed to order it on eBay, so I ended up paying more than the manufacturing price. I'm embarrassed to even say what it is. Uh, And I just regret it so much. It's staring at me from the counter. I know that it was a colossal waste of money. I think I've used it three times. So those three mediocre pints of ice cream cost me something like, you know, $75 each. So when I was in university, I went to Copenhagen for basically no reason at all. I had always heard that you never regret travel So I went, not taking into consideration the fact that I absolutely could not afford it. And then when I got home after the trip, I realized that I had literally ran out of money. Um, I had nothing in my bank account for rent, for groceries, for any living expenses for the rest of the semester. And I had to have my parents send me a lump sum of cash that was meant for my next year of school a year early. Um, I went and saw Beyonce this summer and at the merch table, They were out of like most of the more popular t-shirts that I wanted to get, but I did notice this really nice tour jacket that was there. And then I see the price tag of $350. Now that is way out of my normal budget, but you know what? It was a once in a lifetime concert, once in a lifetime moment. And I went, well, I guess I'm just gonna have to get buried in this. Welcome to Stress Test, a personal finance podcast for millennials and Gen Z. I'm Rob Carrick, personal finance columnist at The Globe and Mail. And I'm Roma Lutsu, personal finance editor at The Globe. Today, we're talking splurges. We're all human. We all indulge from time to time. Isn't that part of the reason we work so hard? While splurges can be good for the soul, they can be very bad for your wallet. How can you plan for splurges in a way that doesn't wreck your finances? I think it's important to note that splurging has been around for a long time, right? It's not new, but it does seem to have amped up since the end of the pandemic. Everything from trips to restaurants to handbags to concerts. It's like times are tougher than ever and people are doubling down on that by splurging. Rob, how do you think splurging has changed in recent years? And and have we kind of gone a bit overboard with all the spending? I put it all down to the pandemic, which we can blame for pretty much everything bad happening. (laughs) Um, People were locked up. And when 
things opened up, there was like this revenge spending trend. And now it's become FOMO, fear of missing out. And it's become treat yourself and it's become experiential spending. Mm -hmm. And I think it's just sort of snowballed and it's become a big thing. And I think it's just become an accepted piece of our spending as we've got to have our splurges. And I think, yes, it has become too big. I mean, I want everyone to have a splurge. I want everyone to reward themselves for all their hard work, but it has to be within reason. And I think we're losing sight of that a little bit. Yeah, we're like in a revved up version of spending and everyone's constraints seem to have just dropped off, right? We're all go, go. Yeah, I think it's, I think we're evaluating the experience and do we want to have that not what the cost is. Now, one of the things that's interesting about personal finance is that there's this undercurrent of denial in that we never talk about spending, right? We talk a lot about saving, we talk about investing, we talk about what the kinds of things you're supposed to do, but obviously people spend their money. That's why we do it. You know, the problem is when the spending spirals out of control, when it leads to stress and anxiety. I mean, part of the issue is that everything is just so expensive now. Why isn't that stopping people from spending, Rob? It's almost like we're becoming accustomed to spending more and being stunned at how much things cost. And when we find out how much our splurge is going to cost, we just go, okay, well, I'm paying more for everything else. So this seems okay to me. Our first guest certainly has no regrets about her splurge, even if the haters are going to hate her spending habits. Hi, my name is Naomi. I'm 30 years old and I live in Mississauga, Ontario. Naomi is a pediatric nurse with one large ongoing splurge. Uh, So my relationship with Taylor Swift has been a long one. Um, I've basically been a fan since the beginning. Um, So basically my big splurge, I guess, would be considered heiress tour tickets. I've gone to four of the American show so far, and then I have two Toronto tickets. Eris tour tickets are notoriously costly and hard to come by. Naomi has run the gamut in what she's willing to pay. The cheapest ticket that I got was the like obstructed view Nashville seats because they were also like the very back of the stadium, the last row. So those were about $100 Canadian. And then the most expensive tickets that I bought were for Detroit. They were in the 100s level. Um, Those were $658. All told, Naomi says she spent about $3,000 on tickets for the six shows. But the costs don't end there. She estimates she spent an additional $2,000 on flights to Nashville, gas money to Detroit and Cincinnati, hotels, Ubers, food, merchandise, and of course, a visit to the Taylor Swift exhibit at Nashville's Country Music Hall of Fame. My friends and I did go in (laughs) kind of with a budget. And then when we saw how expensive the tickets were and what the tickets prices were looking at like for each section, we were like, okay, we just kind of have to do this if we want the tickets. And then we can think about it later, especially like the tickets that I got in Detroit that were over $600. Um, I didn't necessarily want to spend that much money on tickets, but that show was my friend's birthday show. Um, and we we're like, okay, well, we need to be there on her birthday. So we're just going to buy the tickets and then we can regret it later if we regret it or we won't regret it because we'll have the best time and she'll celebrate her birthday with Taylor. My friends and I, we would take turns putting tickets on each other's credit cards. 
Um, so then it kind of evened it out because I usually go to the shows with the same, with the same people. And then we would just work out the difference and then have payment plans towards each other. If somebody couldn't like pay the full amount right away. For those of us who aren't Swifties, I've got to ask, why spend all this money to go to the same concert multiple times, especially when it stretches her budget? I've always been the type of person to go to multiple Taylor Swift concerts. She was just like pulling at everybody's heartstrings, playing stuff from her first couple, music from her first couple albums. Um, and it's kind of like a celebration of like her career, but also a celebration of just all the memories that you had if you were a fan when you were younger. There's definitely been times where um, after like buying tickets or buying everything um, or getting ready for these shows, I'm like, wow, this is more expensive than I thought it was going to be. But it's not even like it's regret or buyer's remorse. But then I guess if there's there was times this summer when I went to all these shows and then I also had a lot of weddings that I was going to. So when I was trying to buy like dresses to go to the weddings or I was like, or I was like taking out money to give like as wedding presents, I was like, man, this would have been a little bit easier if I didn't spend all that money at Taylor Swift. But then it wasn't a regret because concerts and Taylor Swift concerts in general are like my happy place. So I would rather be doing that than doing anything else. Naomi feels like she deserves the experience after the pandemic lockdowns. The concept of revenge spending to make up for lost time, it feels real to her. Like I'm a nurse, so I was working throughout the pandemic and didn't really have very many outlets, I guess, on the frustration and just like the difficulties of like working in healthcare during COVID. And then to top it all off, like everything being canceled. So concerts or just trips um, that you had during COVID were canceled. That when Airs Tour tickets were announced or I was kind of like, okay, like, why not? You worked hard. You deserve it. You never know when something like this is going to happen again. So you may as well just have fun while I have like, while I'm capable and while I'm able to go and do something. I was like, I may as well just take advantage of it now. Cause like, you never know like what's going to happen. If you're not going to be able to go, if you're going to be able to go to a concert again, or if you're going to be able to go on vacation or do what you like. Well, she has no problem justifying her splurge. She knows not everyone understands it. There has been judgment about um, concert going and how many concerts or just like money I've been spending on Taylor Swift from outside. Mainly it's just people that don't really understand or don't have like that one thing that they can like they want to do. Sport like I find like a lot of sports fans get it because they splurge and they spend money on going to games. But uh, there's been some people like co-workers or just random people that are like, oh, like you're going, you're going again. Like, I don't know how you afford it. What are you doing that you're able to do this? But I also live at home, so I'm not paying for rent. So the money that like some per some people are paying for rent, they're using on rent and I'm using on Taylor Swift, I guess. And I'm just able to budget or and like put aside money because I know this is something I want to do. And if I 
didn't have the money to do it, I would be pretty sad about missing out on it. I do have like a savings and investments and then I'm also paying my OSAP. So I do have money going towards that. And I am looking to move out. <laughs> so I am saving money for that as well. But I have my regular life savings fund. And then I also have a Taylor Swift life savings fund. <laughs> Whether it's a sports fan buying seasons tickets or a Swifty buying seats at a concert, Naomi believes splurges should be a judgment-free zone. And she has no plans to give up her indulgence anytime soon. <laughs> I don't think there's ever too much Taylor Swift, but if I really like didn't think I could afford it or didn't have the money for it, I would definitely say no. Funny enough, I woke up today to an announcement of her adding Vancouver shows <laughs> um, and woke up probably to like a hundred text messages about it. One of the Vancouver shows is on my best friend's birthday. <laughs> so I guess we're going to Vancouver. The urge to splurge is universal. Coming out of the pandemic, there's been an uptick in spending on cheaper indulgences like lattes or Ubers. Our producer, Alicia, recently asked some of her 30-something friends about their spending habits and how they justify splurges, big or small. My toxic financial trait is that, and this is a millennial cliche, I accept that and I don't care. It is that I spent too much money on coffee. And that is because the act of getting that coffee and go walking in the morning and walking into the coffee shop and ordering that coffee that is just like a practice I have to do before I start my job every single day. And yes, I have an espresso at home. And yes, I have milk at home. I have all the things I need to make coffee at home. I will still buy it. And I will not buy the small or the tall or the smallest cup that they have because it needs to be big enough for my hands to feel the warmth. <laughs> You're buying an experience. My toxic trait is that I forget to return everything that I thought I would return, especially to Amazon. So I see those TikToks that are like, things you need from Amazon, and then like, oh my god, let me order them. Did I need them? No. Did I forget to return them? Yes. My toxic trait is that I don't manage my time well, I'm always running late, and have to Uber to wherever I'm going, even though I live five minutes away from the subway station. Hi. I'm the problem. It's me. It's me! After the break, we'll hear from a financial planner who will give you some guidance on how to incorporate splurges into your life in a healthy way. Shannon Lee Simmons is a certified financial planner, founder of the New School of Finance, and a longstanding friend of the Stress Test podcast. You're a financial planner. You work with a lot of young adults in addition to older adults. How do you define a splurge? Oh, I feel like a splurge is when you spend money that is sort of more expensive than the, the day-to-day stuff of your general budget. And it is usually characterized by something pleasurable. No one's splurging on something that makes them unhappy. Um, you're splurging because it's like it's something that you want and it feels good and it's outside the range of your daily spending. Really quickly... When you hear the word splurge, what's your first reaction, positive or negative? With my job, it is inevitable that like mom's on the way to drop off people at parties. I'm like, hey, how's it going? And then they like confess their finances to me. It's like, I can't help it. I have truth serum. I don't know what it is. 
And so people are like, oh, I've been splurging. And then the, my first reaction isn't, oh, shame on you. It's like, ooh, on what? Right? Because I, I feel like splurges are something that really says something about who you are and what you value. Because if we're talking about a splurge that's expensive and you're doing it, even if you probably quote shouldn't, this thing is important to you. So paying attention to your splurges is actually like a form of self-identification as well. Like, what do I really think is important at all costs? Mm-hmm. I think that's like a very cool thing about splurges. So I can learn a lot from a person by seeing where they splurge. Okay, so what do you see people spending money on right now? Uh, honestly, everything, because uh, everyone's different and what's important to other people is is different. But the real ones that I see um, are sort of like the typical ones that I think you'd expect. So a lot of, um, you know, people love clothing, if that's a form of self care for them, and that's part of their identity, they'll still they'll um, spend money on clothing, even when, you know, maybe they don't need to, or they could do it cheaper somewhere else. Like that's something that I see. Obviously, concerts, because they are absurdly expensive right now. And live mm-hmm. music is something that I've really learned, especially post pandemic, mm-hmm. is really important to people's well being to see live music and like be a part of that. And they'll kind of go at any cost. And I was just thinking about this too. I think what's shifting as the cost of living is rising is things that didn't used to be considered a splurge are now sort of falling into splurge category because we have less cash flow on a month by month basis for the day to day stuff. So, for example, um, people are saying things to me like, oh, I splurged. I like went out for dinner with my friends. Like, and I'm like, you know, maybe a year and a half ago, it would have been something that was like expected to be in there. But now it's, you know, there's less money towards that. They're trying to cut back. And so now going that dinner feels like a big splurge in a way that it may not have even a year and a half ago. Now, have you seen an uptick in splurge spending in the last year or two? Yes, absolutely. And I think it's twofold reason. Number one, like I said earlier, what's considered a splurge is changing right? Like I made the joke the other day that I splurged on red peppers. That was a joke I made to my husband, but I'm like, I didn't get the green. We're splurging, babe. And he's like, oh, this world. So <laughs> I, I feel like I feel like splurging on what used to be considered, quote, uh, regular expense is now considered a splurge. So I'm seeing the frequency of splurging go up because there's just less money. So mm-hmm. we have to make more and more sacrifices and therefore we're splurging more outside of what our planned spending was mm-hmm. because regular life is just that much more expensive. So I think that's like the prime reason I'm seeing an uptick in what is considered a splurge. But also, you and I have talked about this before. When we live in scarcity for too long with too many rules around our money, like we can't do this and you can't do that and you can't do that and you can't do that. And social media really lights the fire of, of FOMO and inadequacy, right? Well, how come they could go to the concert? How come they can do the things and I can't? Eventually, when you reach a point, you just say, screw it. I'm just going to do it anyways. And credit cards that are automatically um, put into your phone and you can just hit a button and and it's done, make that moment so easy to splurge, right? We have have technology that is geared for splurge spending. It wants you to splurge spend everything. It's like the ring from Lord of the Ring. It's like, it's all Mm -hmm. in mind. It is bent on making you press that button. And and so I do feel like the scarcity that everyone is feeling at varying levels, is also creating the screw it moment more and more too, because we're just rebelling against the whole system, because what's the point in trying? Now, the COVID pandemic impacted us all very deeply. We were stuck at home. And I mean, we were buying things like Pelotons and scented candles and whatever those things were, maybe spending a little bit on patio furniture and stuff. But we came out of there 
I think with a different mentality. Do you see that as well? Bits of like, you know what, I miss those years and now I'm going to come out and, you know, forget it. I'm out here to do these things. Do you see that impacting people's spending? Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm still seeing that. Um, I'm seeing it because people are telling me that like, we haven't done anything for years. Like I'm going on this trip. I see it with travel a lot or those mini breaks a lot, like renting a cottage or like going away with friends for a hotel weekend or like doing especially with wedding stuff too, all wedding culture things that were put on hold, mm-hmm. uh, like all the bachelorette parties, all the showers, all the stuff, like all of that's kind of geared up into overdrive. Mm-hmm. And I find it that's a stressful thing for people to navigate. If like all their friends who were supposed to get married over three years waited till like, the last year. And then it's like, boom, 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 boom. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of that pent up stuff, right. Making up for lost time. And the thing about splurges because they're pleasurable, right? Like the pandemic forced a lot of that to not happen for a long time. And now mm-hmm. when we make it okay, and again, I, I do this too. I'm not saying this. I'm just saying it's, I think it's human nature. We are making up for lost pleasure. Now, Shannon, you and I have talked about the fact that um, there is a level of exhaustion among your younger clients. You know, climate yeah. change is going to ruin everything. I'll never be able to afford to buy a house anyway. You know, my salary is not keeping up with the cost of, uh, you know, living my life. Do you think that there's an element of people giving themselves permission to be splurgy because they're just, you know, it's just also beyond them? Do you think that they're just yes. letting themselves spend this money? Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. And I completely understand. I, yeah. When you don't think that there's a point in trying, then why would you try? Mm-hmm. Right? And so you can be on your best financial behavior. It, it, as things become more and more expensive, your best financial behavior is literally doing nothing ever. Mm-hmm. It can feel like that. I don't know that it's true, but that, I think that's how it feels. And I think that social media gives us this window into other people's lives. So it looks like everybody else is doing okay and you're not, which breeds resentment. When you resent your own financial situation, it is like a number one red flag for me when I hear people talking about that, um, that at some point it's just going to be splurge spending with no remorse because what is the point of trying? Mm-hmm. And so I do think that as life is getting more and more expensive and harder and harder, the permission is there because you're going to wait four years to go on a trip to save your f- 50 bucks a month. Do you know what I mean? Or are you just going to go and figure it out later? And I kind of, I get it. I understand. Yeah. So how do you see the increase in splurges impacting your clients' finances? The only place that splurges show up are on credit cards. And it's always been that way. But again, it's the frequency of splurging that I'm seeing. Mm -hmm. So the overspending month after month after month, 300 bucks here, 200 bucks here, 100 bucks here, it's adding up to an ever-increasing credit card that can't be paid off. So it's a slow grind of splurging that I'm seeing. Typically it's like, did a thing, tried to pay it off, then did another thing, then tried to pay it off, then did another thing. And it's like a staircase almost. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm seeing the rolling over of credit card debt um, that didn't come back down Mm -hmm. increasing. And then the the other impact I'm seeing the splurges is people's, um, as that happens, your um, sense of confidence financially goes down, right? So it's this, it's a double whammy. So not only are you carrying credit card debt um, that you are like paying interest on, you're also now feeling like things are out of control. Right. And that combination of feeling like I have no control and I'm all, my life is now more expensive because I have these minimum payments I have to pay. 
it then exacerbates an initial problem leading to more splurge spending, leading to more, well, whatever, this is my life. Like I, mm-hmm. I just am a person with debt. So I think, um, I'm not saying splurging shouldn't happen and it, it does happen and it's a part of our lives, but the frequency needs to chill out so that people can, you know, if you have a splurge, cool, awesome. We all do it. Make sure you wrestle it down before we sort of do another splurge because it's the bup, bup, splurge on splurge on splurge on splurge that is, uh, that's really tricky. What's the amount of credit card debt that you see? A stubborn three to 4,000 rolling mm. through month after month. I could tell you anecdotally, obviously I see more than that mm-hmm. and I obviously see less than that, but I find that to be the like magic number that w- no one can get wrestle it down beyond that. And it almost is like 3000 on their credit card becomes the new zero. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's like, Oh, well, as long as I get it back down to the 3000 mark, then I, you know, it's kind of like I paid off this month. Mm -hmm. And what that actually is a recognition of is like each one of those splurges, maybe it bumped it up to 500. You couldn't pay. And then there was another splurge. Now it's a thousand. Now it's 1500 because your daily life you can sort of manage, but it's those big ones that Mm -hmm. are ever increasing on the credit card. How do you distinguish between a splurge that's okay and one that should probably be avoided? Three months is my sort of like, can you tackle this realistically in three months if you were to pay it off? Right. So if you can preemptively, and this is that sober second thought before you hit the buy button, and this is what's making my job so much harder in the last like few years as we've got these pre-populated you know, we can just press a button and it arrives at your door the next day. You can do it at 3 a.m. And so uh, if you can stop before you press buy and say, like, if I do this, could I reasonably pay this off in three months? If I reduce my spending money by, let's say it was 300 bucks, could I actually like reduce my spending money by 100 bucks for the next three months and still sort of like not go into more debt because I can still afford my daily life? And if the answer is like, yeah, I can probably do that. I mean, obviously, we don't need to get to a granular spreadsheet for every purchase you're going to make, but mm-hmm. it is a thought process that you should be going through when you're buying something that's sort of outside the norm of your regular life. Like, how long am I actually going to have this with me? And how long is it going to take me to pay it back? I feel like if, if you can tackle it within three months, then, you know, like all good. We, there's always going to be stuff that we need to buy that's outside of the, you know, regular day-to-day life stuff. The problem with the frequency I'm seeing is like, yeah, that 300 bucks, sure, I'll pay that off. And then in a month, there's another $300 purchase that mm-hmm. is like, oh, okay, well, now you have to reduce by 200 bucks a month. And then, oh, there's another $300 purchase. And so it's like, it just adds up. It's a snowball. It's a snowball that builds. When you meet with clients, do you advise them to have or build or create a splurge budget? Like, is that yes. something feasible for people now? Tell, t- let's talk through an ideal scenario for how this would look. So sometimes what I'll have people do is if they go through past spending, highlight the things that they considered sort of spikes or splurges. Which ones do you still feel great about? Which ones are you like, that was bad and I regret it? Like, that's really good knowledge for yourself there um, about like, okay, well, what was happening in that splurge that you regret? Well, Maybe it was done actually because I was really insecure at the moment and I just did it for the wrong reasons. It wasn't actually a splurge that brought me pleasure. It was sort of an anxiety purchase. Okay, that's not a splurge that brings us pleasure. Let's get those out of the way and deal with those and recognize when a splurge for pleasure versus a splurge for anxiety or a splurge for rebellion or a splurge for um, all the different exhaustion and convenience, right? Like mm-hmm. let's identify which one of your past splurges have been helpful for you and still like, yeah, I'll go into debt for that forever. 
cool. I will literally do it again. And that is a happy splurge, right? Like, cool. And so then the ones where you spent money on that are like, I, 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 those are things that still are a part of me and I want them to still be a part of me going forward. Mm-hmm. Let's plan for them. And then just putting aside like a, a, an amount of divide that number by 12 and then try to put it aside every month with the full acknowledgement that you're going to spend that at some point. Mm-hmm. And then when the splurge happens, there's a little bit of buffer between you and the splurge, right? So it's not all on credit. Yeah. It helps you feel less guilty. It helps you manage the, what goes on with the credit card a little bit more. And there's a sense of almost heightened pleasure from the splurge spend because it's like it didn't create anxiety in your life because you had a little bit of money on the side that was supposed to do this. So you're not eating into savings that's earmarked for the long term. This is money that's specifically for you. And that it's probably a good idea to keep that separate from your regular account. I literally have it come out if people can um, like uh, do a payroll deduction or fake a payroll deduction. So like on payday, 50 bucks, whatever it is doesn't it's not even yours you don't see it it goes away act like it's not there and then one day it will be there for you and and there's something also psychologically important about labeling that account like spikes or splurges there's a permission right that it's like going there for that this isn't your emergency Mm. account which can cause um, deep-seated anxiety if we're dipping into our emergency savings this is money that's meant to be spent on you for something fun we get it splurges happen so do credit card bills. Here's how to make sure your big spend doesn't leave you in long-term debt. Roma, what are your takeaways? One, everyone splurges. But if your little luxuries have left you in debt, it's time to reevaluate your spending and stop hitting that buy button. Two, ideally, your splurges will be covered by your savings. To do that, funnel a small amount of money each month into a separate account labeled things that bring me joy. Now that's stress-free spending. Three, Pressure to spend is all around us. Be honest with yourself about whether your purchases are really making you happier. There's a difference between wasting money and spending on things that you value. And only you can answer that question. Thank you for listening to Stress Test. This show was produced by Kyle Fulton, Anna Stafford, and Emily Jackson. Our executive producer is Alicia Sawney. Thank you to Naomi and Shannon for joining us and to everyone who sent us a note about their notable spiritists. You can find Stress Test wherever you listen to podcasts. If you like this episode, please give us a five-star rating and share it with your friends. Next week on Stress Test, young adults are having a harder time finding a job as the economy slows. Employers are regaining some of the power and that makes it tricky to get the salary, flexibility, or position you want. Until then, find us at theglobeandmail.com. Thanks for listening.